Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this normally open mic Friday, July the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2020. But as you probably realize, if you were listening yesterday, the phone system was out, so we did not have a program. And Wes Reimnitz and I consider this to be such an important program that we want to do it on Open Mic Friday. So with us is Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing okay. A little surprise yesterday. We were unable to be on the air. But I consider this to be one of the more important rumination Thursdays we were going to deal with. It came about for two reasons. And number one, CFW Walter on Wednesday, we spoke of what he had to say. And then I received an email from one of our listeners that was almost right on point about this. And I think we can start by me quoting what CFW Walter says in his introduction to thesis number eight. He says, The biggest problem with modern preaching, my dear friends, is this. These sermons lack point and purpose. Now, when I first read that, I didn't know what he was talking about. But then he explains it. Believing preachers, as a rule, imagine that they have fully discharged their office as long as they have preached the Word of God. Now, that's an amazing statement. Because isn't that what we're supposed to be doing, is preaching the Word of God? But C.F.W. Walther is making a point that preaching the Word of God, if you don't have a purpose for preaching that Word of God, then the sermons lack point and purpose. And what is the purpose of preaching the Word of God? It's what all his lectures are about, is to explain properly the distinctions between law and gospel. And he even gives an analogy. He says, imagine a hunter goes into the forest and he just shoots his gun aimlessly into the forest. And he thinks that, boy, I'm really doing a good job. But he's not aiming at anything. He's not taking any gain. So... He's merely firing his gun into the blue. Just as the latter are poor hunters, the former are poor and useless preachers because they have no plan in mind and do not take aim when preaching. Their sermons may contain beautiful thoughts, but they don't have any impact. Occasionally make the thunder of the law roll in their sermons, yet there is no lightning in their strikes. And then we got this email, and here's what paragraph 2 says. The tragic reality is that many, if not most, Lutherans have the reputation of not being well-equipped to give good answers when questioned about the issues of our time. 
And that's kind of a really important point, Wes, that if you do a, a sermon, and let's say you're talking about the Apostles' Creed, and explain that Jesus was born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, he was buried. Uh, you've often referred to as this historic faith. That's really not a sermon, because you haven't got any point for the listeners. Now, how do you respond to this? I would agree. No, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Many, I shouldn't say many, but once in a while I'll come home having listened to a sermon and and uh, look over to my wife and sit and go, well, I'm okay today. She says, what do you mean? She said, I didn't commit any sins. All the all this stuff he talked about had nothing to do with, with uh, the text for the day other than Jesus loves you. I didn't uh, commit any sins, so I'm I'm good to go. Yeah, that's a really important point, that when you do a proper sermon, the aim of the sermon is to touch the individuals who are sinners and have them fear God because of their sin. And so let me give a couple of examples here and you can respond to them, is let's say you have a friend at work who comes to you one day and says, boy, my daughter who's at college just told us that she and her boyfriend uh, kind of made a mistake and she's pregnant out of wedlock, but she's planning on having an abortion. How would you advise your friend to respond to that? Well, I certainly would talk to my friend about sitting down and, and talking with the daughter and, if possible, the boyfriend and talk about uh, what it, what is carried in that womb. Is it a life, you know, and talk to, to them about medically, you know, where they can do these ultrasounds. There's a lot of different things that physically they can do to prove that there is a lie. From a scriptural point of view, you could also talk about it from uh, uh, the, bapt uh, the birth of John the Baptist, where the Baptist uh, leaped in the womb of Elizabeth when he, when they came in contact with Mary, when she, cousin Mary and cousin Elizabeth got together. So there's there's a variety of of, of uh, methodologies that you can uh, take and and talk about. Uh, I think the important thing is is just be honest, forthright, and uh, in, in a kind and gentle way. Talk talk to to your friend about talking to to the family, and if they are Christians, to talk to their pastor. Yes. Um, he talks about this in the email that I received, uh, when he talks about how we are to do things in kindness, but he makes a point. We need to learn to love the people who hate us and they are going to hate us even more when we tell them the truth that God's love is equally balanced with his judgment. And what he means by that 
is the judgment of the consequences of sin. In other words, you cannot sin without having negative consequences occur in your life. And so as you were going through what you would tell uh, your friend about his daughter, notice that you were using the law, the law to explain to the daughter that what she was doing was in error. Now, I I thought of one way that I'd like to know your impression on this. But um, a lot of people don't realize what really happens during an abortion. And what would you think about having uh, a baby doll, not a real baby, but then showing the daughter what really is happening when the abortion takes place and the parts of the baby are cut off and the baby is killed, and the baby has pain after a certain number of weeks. I think that might wake up some people as to what they're really doing to the child within them. Or do you think that's too gross? (laughs) Is it too gross to know that that, that a life is being taken at that point? I mean, I... Uh, it, it certainly it's a, a graphic way to put it out there, but uh, how else do you bring the point across that uh, that is a life, that that's a human being being uh, shot, uh, killed? Remember, uh, we we discussed this before. Mother Teresa was talked to by uh, Mrs. Clinton about abortion. You remember yeah. that quote? Right. Uh, what? Clinton says she can't understand why there hasn't yet been a woman president of the United States. And what did Mother Teresa reply? Uh, She's been aborted. Yeah, you probably aborted her. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's millions of babies that are murdered by their mothers. So if you're dealing with a woman who doesn't think abortion is wrong, then the aim is always to touch them with the law. But let me give you another strategy. You're a pastor in the office, and one of the members, a woman, comes in to talk to you privately, and she says, about eight years ago, I had an affair with someone who isn't my husband, and I got pregnant out of wedlock, and I had an abortion. And it's really bothering me now that I put to death my child, and I can't sleep at night. What would you tell her? I would say the law has already done is, is, you know, has pricked her conscience to where she knows she's done wrong. And it is time to bring her her forgiveness. Remember, uh, it kind of reminds me of of a SEM student that I had. You know, SEM students would be assigned to your church during their second year. Yes. You know, to learn. Well, I had one who who was uh, an AB student, and uh, he came to me one one evening, and he was... uh, and he he was by far the 
the highest grade total in his class at the seminary. And he was mad. He was upset and down and dejected because he he had gotten a C on a, on a test. And uh, he just went on and on and on. And finally, I, I, I said, you feel bad about that? And he goes, yeah, you did something wrong. He said, yeah. And I, I looked at him and I said, you're forgiven. After about the first fifth, I forgive you of your sins. He goes, I got it. Yes. You know. Yeah, a lot of times our sin is because of our self-interest, and we're unaware. Uh, Remember, Luther went through a stage where he did not like God at all, because he was under the impression, prior to recognizing the truth of the book of Romans, that he was right with God insofar as he was righteous enough in God's sight. But that righteousness was due to his own works. And remember he writes in Romans 7, the things I want to do I can't do, and the things I want to stop from doing I'm always doing. So who's going to deliver me from this death? And, of course, he finds hope only in Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, Going back to this letter that, that you received. Yes. I I saw one of the really key points was about halfway through the letter where where he makes a statement it's not enough to say Jesus loves you and be inclusive to all kinds of lifestyle I I think that's where he's getting at the the, the preaching that we're we're all one big happy family or or one big family and and Jesus loves us and everything's going to be okay people got different ways of carrying out their life I think that was an excellent point uh, bringing that was what, what we see happening with with uh, some of the sermonizing that's going on out there. Yes. I think it's also a reason why you have a lot of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who no longer want to be affiliated with a Christian congregation because they hear the outwardness of the law, namely thou shalt not commit abortion or homosexuality, etc. But none of the sermons make specific points as to why that is wrong in the will of God. And there are just so many who say, no, you can, uh, they do with those things what they do with uh, creation. You can read the Bible as kind of a myth about creation and then rely on the science instead, which is more true. And they do that also with morality. And they're kind of sick and tired of churches where they preach for a proper morality, but they don't really explain it. They don't indicate how the law of God can really touch you. And they don't explain how when you need forgiveness that forgiveness is found. I think that's well well said, well well explained. Is 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 the need to to hear of my sins and to confess them, and then hear the the gospel. You know, one pastor I I remember said in a Bible class that uh, he he was pontificating, you know, kind of talking to the 
the people there a bit, saying he said he couldn't understand why they were so vocal in confessing their sins at the beginning of the service. I mean, he said he noticed that, that the people said it with great gusto. And up went a hand of one of the ladies of the Bible class, and she says it's because we know what's coming next. Yes. We're going to be we're going to be forgiven in Jesus. The absolution. Absolution, yes. If a person does not recognize they deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, then the absolution isn't going to be that important to them. And I think that's important for us because we we do that early in the service, and then we get to the sermon. And then Jesus loves you, everything's okay, you know, we all got lifestyles and we can go on. It kind of kind of mitigates against what we just did earlier. They're prepared to hear, I am a sinner and I am saved in my Lord Jesus Christ when, when we get to the sermon. Yeah, what we need to do in sermons is be more specific as to what people can say. Uh, for example... One of the quotations from this email, he quotes Alexis de Tocqueville, who said that he found the reason for America's goodness, genius, and power is in its churches. There he found the pulpits aflame with righteousness. Now, that was early in America's history. And then the writer goes on, if this is no longer the case, People no longer have answers to be able to courageously engage others with truth. And that's where your quote came in. It's not enough to say Jesus loves you and be inclusive to all kinds of lifestyles. We are not called to be the doormats on which the world wipes its feet. We're called to be soldiers of the cross. And so... I don't know if you've ever had this kind of experience, but a parent comes to me and says, my son's at college, and he's coming home for Christmas, but he's just informed us that he now has a gay boyfriend, and he wants to bring him home with him. I don't know if most Christians know how to respond to that. Any suggestions? Well, I would definitely say that uh, he's welcome to come to our house, but you're going to sleep in separate bedrooms. And we're going to sit down and talk about this relationship and and how how God looks at it from 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 God's perspective, not my perspective, but God's perspective. You know, and that has to be the word of God. I, I think that's where I would begin with. Yes, and I'll tell you what happens is that when, say, the son tells his boyfriend that that's what they're in store for, the boyfriend will refuse to come because he does not want to be felt judgmental. I think that that says a lot about the relationship and, and the fact that he wants to hide it. Because isn't what the gospel says? What's done in darkness will be recovered, will be shown by the light. Excellent. Yes, you cannot hide your sin, 
And that's why it's so sad that so many people, uh, as this um, particular email even talks about, that uh, in the closing prayer, he says, shake us from the apathy and passiveness that has often characterized the church in this age. Uh, you and I know even Lutheran pastors who do not like bringing up abortion in a sermon because they tell you that's going to split the church. And so they do not allow God's word to trump the attitudes in the church because no pastor wants to be known as somebody who helped split the church. But if you try not to split the church by minimizing the law of God, then you're falling right into what Walther says is a main problem, that a lot of sermons lack point and purpose because preachers think they fully discharge their office as long as they preach the Word of God. Yeah, I, I think that's a, an important point that you bring is the necessity to, to speak to the issue. And so often the, the, the text itself for the day coming in the gospel lesson or the epistle lesson or the Old Testament lesson will will point to, to some issues that are, are going on. One one uh, that I remember a pastor talking about was he, he, he was in the sermon series out of uh, Ephesians 5 where he talked about marriage. And he he was preaching on the epistle lesson set for, for that year, and he came across Ephesians 5 in the lesson period, so he preached on marriage. Well, lo and behold, in walks a couple of ladies and guys that were contemplating divorce, and he had a decision to make. Should he preach it even though he hadn't seen him in a while? Or should he go or should he go and preach an old older sermon or uh, something different? He went ahead and preached it for the day, figuring that uh, God had somehow caused them to come to the church and hear that word and hear that sermon. Yes. Um we are not in charge of how the law or the gospel is going to be heard by our listeners. But C.F.W. Walter quotes Matthew 21. Remember, that was that parable of the murderous tenants in the vineyard who uh, killed the servants, etc. And what it says is the high priests and scribes after they heard the parable, confessed to themselves, he's talking about us. Right. Yeah, and haven't we completed a sermon as a pastor and said, what a great sermon, but nobody said anything on the way out? Or we thought, oh, this is a horrible sermon that I preached today, and people were going out, that one was meant for me, and it said a lot to me, Pastor. Yes, I gave up asking people on the way out, what did you think of my sermon? Because a lot of times they would say, well, it really struck home when I heard, and I can't remember saying it in the sermon. Yeah. (laughs) In other words, God uses a sermon in different ways, and people know in their minds where they are sinners and are in need of help. And that's why it's a huge difference 
between doing a sermon that might be doctrinally correct and be beautiful words and phrases, but has no point or purpose in striking the people with the law or in giving those who need it with the gospel. I agree. In fact, I preached last night, and in preparation for today, I actually changed the sermon a bit. I often would talk about um, you, 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 and I changed it to us, 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 to show that all of us fall short. And also that in the gospel, Christ is that us that's gone away for us and given us the forgiveness through his his death and resurrection. So we decided to take yesterday's omission of our program because the phone lines were out and do it today. I, I think that was very good. On Monday, I'll be doing a Bible study for the following Sunday in Pentecost. But we thank, indeed, Pastor, for coming on on a day that he usually doesn't come on. I hope you didn't mind it. Oh, it was great. It's always great to be with you. Tom Baker, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.